Hey everyone, it's Gabby and Danny and Manny and you're listening to Oye, Let's Talk. Hi everyone, we're here for an exciting episode to talk about a topic that really could divide people or unite people, your money and my money too, to be honest. (laughs) But uh, looking at my bank account, I am no expert. So we brought in one today and I would like to introduce Andrea. Andrea, go ahead and tell the people who you are. Hi, everyone. My name is Andrea. I am a Latina money coach. Um, And yeah, I'm excited to be here. I actually started a Instagram page about two and a half years ago. I think it just kind of was born from um, me wanting to just like share about like money and personal finance in general. I think I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm so, this is such a passion of mine. I'm so eager to share what, why wouldn't anybody, everybody like want to learn. So I just kind of started there and that evolved into, yeah, just like teaching people about money. So now I'm yeah, excited to be here. <laughs> you heard that y'all some free advice right now. So listening close and take notes. <laughs> Andrea, um, Tell the people, drop the gram, go ahead, let them know where you can find it. <laughs> and then how did you start on that journey? Yeah, so um, in, my Instagram is at building.gen.wealth. So definitely come check um, out the page. I give free money advice, tips, just like understanding more about money and investing. Um, but the way that I started just even like getting interested with money um, came, kind of happened when I graduated college. Um, I you, you know was eager to find a job and you know start getting paid and, and all of that. And I ended up not getting the job that I wanted. And so I had to stay in Gainesville. And so I, I was like kind of frantic, like frantically trying to find a job before graduating. And so I like took a job offer um, from a guy that I knew at a local startup at UF. Um, and so that job, I didn't even ask like how much I was making. <laughs> so already kind of You're just like, happy to get the job as most yeah. of us are. And so it was until my first paycheck or like a week before that I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm making $22,000 a year. Like I didn't know I didn't know. And so uh, that kind of kicked off my money journey, mostly out of necessity, because I was like, I have to figure this out. Like I need to figure out how I'm going to get by. And luckily I lived in a college town. So I was able to sublease um, right out of college. My parents still covered my health insurance and I didn't have any student loan debt. So I was able to make it work. And so that year I was able to really kind of make it work and really start like understanding money and became more interested in it. Um, but it was really out of like. I don't have like the room to, to like, you know, not save for things or not kind of like be pay a lot of attention. So that kind of kicked it off. Um, Then I started earning more, started spending. And then I was in the spiral of like, oh, I don't need to save because I earn a lot. And then I kind of had like a a little moment where I was like, wait a second, like I I saved more money when I was making $22,000 a year than I am now. Like what is happening? And so that kind of shifted into getting back on track with my finances, learn to, you know, start investing. And then kind of that spiraled into, oh my gosh, like I, I was kind of just spir- spinning in circles for the past like four years. I don't want other people to do what I did. Let me share what I know. And so that kicked off my, my Instagram page. <laughs> 
I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. For our listeners, um, I guess in simple terms, what does it mean to budget? Is it a lifestyle? Is it like, a, you know, I'm planning a trip, so I'm going to budget for this specific occasion? How would you how would you explain that? Yeah, so I think first, the, the term budget can sometimes feel really like not a fun word, right? Like, a, I think people hear the word budget and they immediately think like, oh, this is going to mean like, I'm not going to be able to have fun. I'm not going to able to spend my money and and I can understand why that feels that way because you you do kind of just shift from like money is going into my account and I can just spend it without thinking about where it's going but really a budget is just a plan for your money like where do you want to put your money and how much do you want to put in each sort of category and um and yeah I think that that in in essence is what it is I think the the hard part to navigate for anybody is like that choice of like where do I put it? And that could come from a, a place of like, I don't know, like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with it to be most effective or be more optimal. Or it could come from like, I don't want to choose because now I have to like, essentially with any choice, there comes a little bit of an opportunity cost or like a sacrifice. And that can feel really uncomfortable um, depending on where people are with with their money. A follow up on so. the budget, Andrea, do you feel like, feel like you're very more financially literate than the average person? Do you budget daily or do you budget once a month or do you budget before certain activities? Like how often are you budgeting and does it become second nature or are you still, it's still something that you actively have to do every day? Yeah. So I definitely think it's an active part of my life. Like I, so, so let me kind of explain my budgeting process. So I budget for 30 days um, and that doesn't necessarily mean it's like monthly, right? So I budget for 30 days because that's like my two week paycheck cycle. So every two weeks, um, I decide like, okay, here's the money that came in. It goes into three buckets. And so those buckets are bills. And so bills I categorize as like, here are the necessities. Like I have to pay these because they're bills or they're groceries or they're gas or they're like things that I have deemed needs. Then there's my goals. And so it's like, what is my big money goal that I'm working towards right now? Is it an emergency fund? Is it paying off debt? Like, what is it? And so I put some in that bucket. And then the last is wants. And so when I get paid, all of my money goes into all of those buckets so that I don't have anything left over. And then once I do that, that's kind of like the the first step in budgeting. That's the plan that I do on a on a uh, like monthly basis. I decide here's the money that's coming in and here's where it's going. The weekly part, and this is the active part of budgeting, is I check in to see like the, this is the plan that I made. This was the intention that I had. How am I doing? Like, am I on track? Like, what and and it's easier to implement that plan the more that you check in on it. And that's, I think, the the crux of it. Um, but yeah. So you're telling me I shouldn't be scared of checking my bank account because I need to go back and make sure I'm following the budget I wrote up. Yeah. So <laughs> that's that's the biggest thing is yeah. find is like checking in to make sure that you're you're on track and you're 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 hitting it. I think that the the fear there is we sometimes don't like the feelings of uncomfort or discomfort that come mm -hmm. up when Preach. you're like, oh, that was the plan, but I actually like went over and yes, two days in. <laughs> way over i blame like... i blame amazon if amazon <laughs> does not exist oh my gosh like i don't need so many things that i end up buying on amazon from skincare to clothes to you name it if it's there it's like i'm know. gonna blame uber eats and that's that's where i'm gonna leave <laughs> well, it at. that's a good one too yes um i do actually have a question since we're talking about budgeting i think like people of color latinx is 
or anyone who maybe like grew up in a low income um, family. I think but the relationship with budgeting or the idea was just don't spend money or don't spend unnecessary money. Like what would you describe your relationship with money growing up? And this is for all of us versus like what we've learned and what money can do for us now, if I'm making much sense. Yeah, no, that you definitely are. I think that so my relationship with money growing up, um, it, it's very interesting. So for my mom, I, I saw her start businesses and she was an entrepreneur. So I really saw her use the vehicle of entrepreneurship to build wealth. And that really kind of expanded like, oh my gosh, like money can do a lot. And in, in entrepreneurship can really, you know, help with that. And then on the flip side, my dad was a like budgeter, saver, not a budgeter, but he was definitely a saver. And so one of the first money lessons that he taught me that was totally on accident was like every single time you get paid, you have to put money away for no one. And I was like, what does that even mean? He's like, it's no one's money. You're not supposed to touch it. It's there. If it's, you get an emergency, then you type, then you take it out. And I was like, that's such a dramatic way of saying an emergency fund. <laughs> I actually like it. No one's money. <laughs> and so, so when I got paid, I was like, all right, I got paid. Like I'm putting this away for, for no one for, I didn't really fully get it, but I was just like, I need to save it. And I think that kind of started my relationship with money of like, I need to save. We just need to like, you know, kind of like what you said, if it's not necessary, like I'm not going to buy it. And, and that to, to a certain degree was helpful in like, you know, saving a lot of money. But then I realized like, I don't have a healthy relationship with money because I'm not, I'm afraid to spend it. I'm not, a, um, I, it, it doesn't feel like a tool that can serve me to like, you know, hit my goals or build wealth. It just kind of feels like I'm just storing this resource because it feels like it, it provides a sense of security. And so I think that, um, I've heard a lot of people talk about how like that is like the thing that we were taught is like save. You just need to save and it just needs mm -hmm. to be there. And I think while that is like a good lesson, it almost kind of has been like a little bit um, like it. we just have kind of interpreted it too, like too on the extreme where it's like, wait a second, like, yes, it's good to save. But like, how do we use this resource to help set us up in the future and build wealth for ourselves and our families? You know? Yeah, I can totally agree with that. Like to my knowledge of budgeting, my parents very much are two jobs. If you work hard, you'll get money. But I realize getting older, like it's a work smarter with your money, not ne not necessarily work harder for your money. And I was just so very much taught buy yourself maybe one nice thing every so often or it's sometimes better to buy the cheap option than the pricier longer lasting product for a little bit mm -hmm. unless you really need to invest in that and if you really think it's gonna pay off and to be honest like even and I actually still do this but I won't tell you guys where I hide it but a huge knowledge from like my grandparents were oh just make sure you hide money around like whether, I do you, that too. <laughs> whether you keep it in your purses or in old purses or you have like a, a hidden piggy bank or like drop your change somewhere and then it's good for a rainy day if you need a couple bucks and you don't have to go to the bank um just little things like that and then now that i'm older like yes i still have my hidden piggy bank or like i do find a random 20 bucks in my purse that i just left there and it makes your day you're like oh my gosh <laughs> i'm rich <laughs> yes I, okay so like fun fact i'm not even joking it's been the, I went to Panama more than a year ago at this point. It was like right before the pandemic hit or as it was hitting. And I just opened up one of the old purses from there and I still have cash from that trip. And I'm like, I just have these this random cash from two years ago from a trip. And like, I probably could have been like using this or I could have put it elsewhere for now, but I just totally forgot about it. Not that it's a bad thing per se, but I'm like, dang, sometimes I did go to the bank and take out cash when I had this all along. So something... In short, it's okay to forget about some money because you're going to need it for a rainy day. And 
budgeting was very much not a lifestyle. The only way to budget in my family was pay for your needs, everything else, like as it comes, like make sure you have emergency money, but like we don't make enough to have a lot of emergency money and et cetera. What about anybody else? I'm going to say, you know, growing up, savings was important, but sometimes when, you know, it's hard to make ends meet, savings is the last. And then even when I feel like now my parents are a better place when they are saving or now they're thinking about retiring and they may not have the best retirement plan because they didn't save Um, because, you know, we're immigrants and maybe we didn't, my parents didn't know, you know, what to set up and when to do it or how to do it. But now my, like, I feel like as Hispanics, like Andrea was saying, it's like save, save, but it's like, how do you save? And it was like, the only way that I think my family you how to save is like putting it in your savings and i feel like now i don't know if you guys want to segue andrea what is the what are different ways that we can save our money that goes beyond just hey put it in your savings account which is probably what most of our parents did to save money yeah so there's like two sort of ways that i think about saving there's a like we're saving for something that's like, you know, your emergency fund. Um, well, there, there's a different way. So let me kind of just explain like different routes. So there's like the, hey, this is the emergency fund. And that that's kind of like the first line of defense in case anything comes up that you have to cover. Beyond that, um, that's when you kind of, I start looking at money as like, okay, we have this safety net here. Now what are ways in which we can either leverage our savings to buy an asset um, or use this money to like work for us? to grow and be invested in the stock market. And so um, when I think about like, okay, beyond my, you know, emergency fund, what is my next like financial goal? Like, let's say it is, hey, I want to buy an asset or I want to invest in an asset. That asset be a rental property or it could be a business that I'm like, you know, wanting to invest in. It could be a course that I want to invest into, uplevel my skills so that I can earn more. You know, like those are some ways that like your money is still helping you, even though you're not saving it, like you are using it to bring you something, um, you know, that's going to benefit you, whether it's monetary or skill wise or, or whatever. Um, and then there's the area of like, all right, this is what I'm doing actively now. What can I, in what ways can I use my money? Money to help me in the future like and then this kind of starts the conversation of investing for retirement right and so um that's another route to to start thinking about because if you think about like just saving for retirement like it it's virtually like impossible like the rates are not you know you know having your money in a savings account is just not going to do as much for you as mm -hmm. investing it in the stock market and so that's where it's like okay now we're leveraging the tool of money with the time which is also like a uh, a like the most valuable resource and putting it to work in the stock market and that's growing and being saved for us. So that's what I think about when I think of like, hey, when, when we're saving, there's kind of two routes, right? Where like use our resource of money to yield more and grow more. Um, and then, and then there's like, normal like life savings things right like hey i'm getting married and i want to save for a wedding i want to buy a house and and those are like savings um like i, I kind of classify those as like life savings goals and so it's always important to know like what am i saving for right now like am i really kind of just focused on building this emergency and that's it i'm at a place where i am trying to build wealth and this is where that fund is going but i'm also like trying to buy a house and so you know i'm, I'm kind of tackling those two at the same time um but yeah I think those are kind of the routes to take when you're thinking about saving and investing. Andrea, uh, let our listeners know how much is that emergency fund supposed to have? So your emergency fund, um, there is a... Uh, 
when you're starting out, like let's say you have zero in your emergency fund, you're just starting, I would start with like one to two months of living expenses. Um, and that would essentially just kind of be like, hey, what is going to cover your bills, your food, your groceries, like anything that like is necessary for you to, to get by that number is going, going to be different for different people where you live, right? Some people can get away with that being $1,000. Other people are like, my rent is like $2,000. Like that would definitely not be enough. And so you kind of have to kind of gauge like how much do I spend every month? And the biggest thing to determine is like, what's my risk tolerance level, right? Like, do I feel like if I lost my job today, I could easily get another job or, you know, figure out how to bring in more money or you're like, no, actually, I would like to give myself like at least a month or two. Um, and so that would be like what I would consider your your base level emergency fund. And then when you go into about like a fully funded emergency fund, most people recommend somewhere between three to six months of that. So yeah. I think it'd be a good segue now because we talked about the relationship with like people of color and Latinx is what they may have with money. But we're all in our 20s. And I feel like it's very tough to think about retirement or where we're going to be in 50 years. Um, or we kind of spend our money with the idea of, oh, I'm going to be earning more money, hopefully in the future, or we're in the early parts of our career, like it's easier to budget now, we'll be fine later, like we don't, we may not need as much savings. What relationship do you think 20 something year olds have with money? And what relationship do you think we should start building with funds? That's a great question. So I think like a lot of 20, 20 something um, millennials, we, we just have a lot of, I say we, I'm like in my 30s now um <laughs> when i was in my 20s what? Um, i totally thought you were like in our in your well yeah i don't even know i, have a young I forget that I, we're all almost 30 anyway <laughs> um but i i i like look back and i'm like man when i was in my young 20s like i was like i didn't want to like think about retirement like that felt so like yeah, yeah yeah i have time for that and i think that's kind of the overall thought that we kind of operate under i have time like i have so much time and it's like this lack of urgency which is understandable, right? Like we are very young. Um, and so I think that the biggest shift that happened to me is when I started looking at time as a resource. And then when I realized like, oh my gosh, like time actually is the, is the resource. It, it shifted everything for me. And I think a lot of times, like it's kind of giving our 20 somethings like a little bit more of a perspective of like, yes, money is great. And we want to earn more. And, 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 you know, like that is the resource that typically we put more attention to, but time is something that later on we see is like, oh, we actually can't get that back. Like that's the, that's the thing that I need to maximize now. And so getting that perspective shift, I think will just ultimately help help you see your whole life, I feel like in a completely different way, because you're more intentional about like, what am I doing with my time? Um, and then how is my money serving this particular time as best as it can? Does that make sense? <laughs> Yeah. And on that point, I feel like everyone I'm 26, by the way, y'all, I turn 27 next month. And I was thinking like, wow, so many people my age have already either bought a house with their partner or bought their own property on that their own question too. or like a car. And I'm like, Oh, how did you do it? Like, how did that happen? And then why so young? I feel like that's such a feels like such a permanent step. And I don't know, I think it's because in my upbringing, like once you got a house that meant like you were a full adult and that you'd be you having family <laughs> kids, like it just felt like a progression of life like life milestones and buying a house was one of those but personally like I see people buying a home and it's not with the intention of like oh the first step in this milestone like oh I'm getting it for now because I can so I don't know how to explain this 
phenomenon or like this mind shift, if that makes sense. But I have noticed it's a trend. And I don't know if that's necessarily like a good thing to buy something that you may not um, necessarily keep forever. And I, I had a question for Andrea with regards to that, actually, like if if you want to Im- invest in a big purchase, like say your first like, you know, non lease car or a home with an other like, is there a rule of thumb of like how many years, months ahead of schedule you plan for that? Or is it kind of like, hey, let's just do it. Let's see what's on the market. And then based on like how much you earn and bind salary, stuff like that, like where where do you even start? I guess is my question. Yeah, that's a great question. So I think the biggest thing you'll want to know is like, hey, what what type of house do I want to buy? Like, what is the the range of the house? Is it in the 200,000, 300,000 for it? Depending on where you live, that number is going to be so different from you for you. And then, um, so I would start there. Like, where do I want to buy this, this house and look on Zillow? Like, what is the range that this house will be? And then look to see, okay, this is the price of the house. Now I'm going to see like what that monthly like mortgage payment will, right? So that's like mortgage, the interest, principal, taxes. And so now you're like, all right, I'm paying about 1200 for rent for this mortgage. It's going to be somewhere around, you know, 1500 is that, do I want to do that? Um, so once you kind of have that, then you, you want to take like, all right, like, let's say the, the price of the home is 300,000. Um, typically you can get a loan for somewhere around, if you put a deposit down of 3.5%. So you would take 3.5% of 300,000. I can't do some, I can't do fat math like that. <laughs> but whatever that number is, that's the amount you have to like deposit um, or not deposit. That's the amount you have to save for a down payment. So now you actually have like a goal of like, all right, this is what I want to like have plus closing cost. Plus like, you know, like things that come up and now you can start to work backwards. So you're like, all right, I want in my, my dream scenario would be that I could buy this in a year. So you take that number divided by 12 months and then you get like, oh, that means I have to save $1,300 a month. Is that doable for me? Or you could get back that number and it's like, I have to save 3,500. Is that doable for me? And so now you're like in a a position where you have to decide like, all right, either I figure out how to bring in more money to hit this goal or I push back the date. And so that's where like the dance of time and money kind of like you you get to decide like, all right, here's where I'm at. It's like not a fun game, but it's a game you have to play. I prefer dance. Oh, I like that. It's a a cha-cha. It's it's so so graceful. So so that's what I would recommend is like, start with the end. Like what is the, what is the goal? What is what you want? And then work backwards from there. Um, And I think that that's also worth noting is let's say you get back, like, here's my dream house. Here's my ideal date. I have to save $5,000 every single month for the next 18 months, right? Like, let's say that's the number. Immediately our brains are like, there's absolutely no way I can do that. And that is my brain for sure like, said that. <laughs> <laughs> I think all our brains are we're all like we're all here like we're journalists. Uh... <laughs> yeah, like our brains immediately go to this is the this is the resource I have and this is what I want. I can't do it, so let's just either push it back. Which there's nothing wrong with that, but I think every so often it's good to just challenge your brain, right? Like, all right, brain, I know that like five thousand dollars a month seems unreasonable. We can do a thousand or we can do 500 wherever you're at um like what how can you get from like 500 to seven or seven you know um 800 like what is the thing that i need to do in my life and you know like does that require me 
you know, asking for a raise, looking for different job options, getting certified in different ways. I think a lot of times we, we let money tell us what we can do um, instead of saying like, hey, I, I see the numbers and the numbers don't lie, but I am in charge of this and here's and what I'm going to do. You're always working toward a goal. That's mm-hmm. I, I like that though. Like we don't have to let money rule us or dictate our actions. We can live up to the challenge too. So I actually wanted to share this anecdote because we I know we use the example of the house, but um, Andrea did actually like a little bingo game on her Instagram and I just participated in it just because I told myself I needed to get more financially savvy. And one of the things was like open an HYSA, which is a high yield savings account. And Andrea, I'll let you explain that in a minute. But this was maybe over a year ago. And by opening that HYSA, I just kept putting money in there, even though I had like other savings accounts. And it actually turned into our wedding fund. And we did the whole work backwards thing. And now like, it's incredible to see the amount of money and like how the interest has like gone up or rather, yeah, we get we get funds from it now, the more money we put into it. (laughs) So it is really cool to think like, oh, I never thought about long term saving like that, or that there was different types of savings accounts, or like how you can transfer credit card balance or any of those little details that I feel like kind of get swept under the rug when you're learning about money or in your economics class, they don't teach you that. So I want to thank Andrea, first of all, <laughs> for like giving that <laughs> free so knowledge. Cool. Teach us, yeah, teach us. I don't know what this is. <laughs> but it was cool because like I, I won $100 from her, but I used it and I put it in my HYSA and like my wedding is coming up later this year. But I'm thinking, wow, I've literally had this account for two years now going on three and it's really helping me um, fund my celebrations with my significant other. And he was like all about it, too. Like it we it was such an easy ad. But Andrea, can you explain to people maybe some like best tips and tricks that we may not know about, like the different types of savings accounts, how you can transfer like a credit card? card balance like how to handle credit card debt those fun things fun yeah so the (laughs) they're so fun (laughs) they are um so the account that um you're referencing is a high yield savings account and so this is typically this is just a um, savings account the the reason it's called high yield is because um, high yield savings accounts are offered by online banks. And because the cost of running an online bank is not as high as like a brick and mortar, like Wells Fargo, Bank of America, they get to save more on their overhead, which means that allows them to pass down um, more interest to the customer, meaning like you and I who open those accounts. So the difference between that, that percentage of what your money is earning is and like your Wells Fargo um, savings account is going to be like your money is earning 0.01%. So that's like you're getting a penny for like (laughs) what you're having in there. Whereas in a high yield savings account, back in the day, it used to be somewhere around like 2.5, but because of like everything, pandemic and everything, it's now lower. So it's 0.5%, which is still, um, which is much lower than like where it was, but it's still much better than like putting your money in a, you know, typical traditional savings account. And so go ahead. You, you kind of get like 50 cents compared to the penny is how yeah. I look at it. So that it does help like after keeping a hundred or like if you're saving in the thousands, you really do see like numbers in the double digits coming back to you. Yeah. And so this, I think is the first step if you're like, Hey, I want my money to grow, but I don't want it to like, I don't, I'm really afraid of the risk of investing. This is a great way to kind of start 
like helping your your brain get to a point where it's like okay moving moving my money to an online place where i am not going into a brick and mortar is still safe um because this account is also insured by fdic which is the same insurance that covers your you know traditional savings um so that is i think like where you would when you when we talk about an emergency fund that's where you store your emergency fund because then your money is working right like already have that safety net and that's that's like that's growing there um i just want to brag and say that i actually had already been doing that and had been using um smart piggy (laughs) it's called smart piggy that's one of the online banks i don't know that's the same one they use yet but yes I use Discover. I feel a little better now. <laughs> I was feeling a little nervous at the beginning of this episode. Now I'm like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. The one that I recommend, so all of them are great. There's there's a lot to choose from. The one that I really like is Ally, um, because Ally and and your guys's might do this too, because a lot of them have started doing this. Gives you the option of having what they call buckets, um, and so you put your money there. Let's say you you save five thousand, ten thousand, whatever that is, and you're like, all right, three thousand is my safety net emergency fund. So you put that in a bucket, and it la- lets you label like emergency fund, and then you can put three thousand in there, and then yep. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Then I'm say, like Googling this. I'm fascinated. I'm like <laughs> late in the game, you guys. Let's say you're like also saving for, you want to get a golden doodle. So you have your little golden doodle fund. You want to buy a house. So you're like, you know, so you, it like helps you visually see what your money is for. And that also just creates so much motivation because like, yeah, seeing like a big chunk of money is great, but like seeing it distributed for its purpose is like, oh, wow. Like we're, we're building here. Like we have all of these, you know, things kind of set up so um so yeah so you transfer then, money from like your main bank account to the savings account is that how it works or do you just start like from scratch you can so you would you would connect your checking to your savings okay. and so then whenever you get paid you would just send that money over to the online um savings account the only sort of thing to know is that it does take um two to three business days to to move your money from the online back to your like Wells Fargo or wherever your checking is. So that's the only sort of thing you just have to like plan around if you are a big purchase or not. Which could be a good thing because it deters you from taking money out of the yes. account. <laughs> yeah. I've been yeah. there. I was like, no, sure you, you want to like, do this? Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, we actually each wrote two questions to ask you. And then I want to like follow up with maybe some tips for everyone. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go first and we can like round robin this. <laughs> so Andrea, you're going to just be bouncing back and forth. But what do you wish younger you knew about now that you have all of this wealth knowledge? Oh, man, there's so many, so many things younger me. So remember when I told you guys that I, you know, was making those $20,000 and I got really into personal finance out of necessity? Yes. Um, at the time I uh, was like, okay, I feel like I got a lot about, learned a lot about budgeting. Let me learn about investing. So I Googled like best investing books. And the book that came up was I will teach you to be rich by Ramit Seth. And I was like, okay, cool. I put it in my Amazon account. And it, it was one of those moments where I was like, oh man, if I could reverse anything, it would be that moment. I was about to buy it, but I shared an Amazon account with people because we're in college. And so <laughs> sharing, I, people still do that. But anyway, um, I got really scared and I took it out and deleted the history. And it was the thought that, oh no, like people are going to think that I want to be rich. And I had this like subconscious feeling that like rich is bad or wanting money is bad. And so I didn't want to be perceived that way. And so I didn't buy the book. And so it was like, 
I didn't buy it until years later. And, and as soon as I finished reading the book, I started investing. And I was like, oh my gosh, like if I had bought this book at 22, like how much more would I like, how much more have, would have my money worked? Like how much would I know? And so if there's anything that I, one would have just liked to tell like 22 baby Andrea is like, hey, wanting to grow your money and wanting to earn more is not bad. Like having a desire to build wealth is not bad because I really think like subconsciously I just for that. And then from that, I think, you know, I would have started investing early. Um, and the other thing I think would be it's um, it's not going to run out. Like I think I just had like this fear that like I need to save it. It's going to run out. Like I need, and I just believed that. And I, I think I've switched to like, it's not going to run out. Like it's never going to run out. You're going to bring more, like you'll be okay. And so creating that safety with money, I think is super important because a lot of times we are we operate in this place that feels really unsafe and if you don't feel safe you can't thrive and it's like first we need to feel safe with money to then be able to thrive with it so i love that that is so quotable andrea i have a good follow-up question you're talking about investing and i really want to know what's how do you invest your money? You don't have to tell me specifically like what accounts you're investing. Um, I personally, I've always learned mutual index funds was like the easiest, best way to go. It's, you know, it's hassle free and it kind of like, it divides up your, you know, your money into all these different stocks and does it itself. It's always going to grow. So what are your thoughts on mutual index funds? How do you invest? And what do you feel about crypto? I'm really excited for it, but I know it's like very volatile. We're young, so we have a lot of time. Um, do you invest in crypto? So that's like five questions, but go. <laughs> so my investment strategy right now. Um, so I have a Roth IRA where I put my, I like max that out every year. That's kind of like one of my biggest goals, like max out my Roth IRA. Um, currently, I am also saving slash investing for a rental property down payment, which I've made the personal choice of like not just saving it, but like investing it in a taxable brokerage. So that kind of is like my second investment, um, like investment contribution that I make every month. Um, so those are the two two accounts that I have. Within those accounts, I am strictly a S&P 500 mutual index fund, <laughs> low cost. Um, I also have <laughs> a, um, I do have a fund that's the total stock market mutual index fund, um, but it is like low cost mutual index funds. Right. Um, so both, mostly both index, index and mutual funds, correct? I started with a target date fund because I, you know, at first I was like, uh, I don't know about, you know, like how am I going to um, di uh, diversify or rebalance? How am I going to rebalance? So I started with that. But then as I started learning more, I was like, oh, I actually feel very confident that I will be able to do that right now. I just went aggressive with that. Um, so so yeah, though that's primarily what I'm just doing there. I haven't really explored with like individual stocks yet just because I just have read a lot about how like the market will just always continue to like out like grow and like the more you try to eat it, the less you do. And so I'm like, let me just ride this wave, get my returns. The S&P 500 last year grew about 25 to 27%. I can't even, I can't remember the exact number. So it's like if somebody was trying to beat the market, like they could have just rode the wave of the growth. And so to me for retirement, particularly, I'm like, I'm just going to ride that out. Um, and then for, you know, short, shorter term investments are a little bit where you have to be a little bit more risk um, tolerant in case there is, you know, a market dip, which I'm prepared for, but a same thing, like I'm I'm more risky in that, like it's a shorter term time frame, but the same sort of like um, investment strategy. So it's 
like a time is riskier, but the same, the strategy still, you know, hopefully works without the crash, without a crash. Um, so, so yeah, that's that. And then as far as crypto, <laughs> I feel like this is the, the, the question that everybody like want, like wants to like know and learn about. Um, so crypto, I think is, um, it's a very volatile like place to invest. And so I think that that's good to know. Um, I, I am going to invest in crypto this year. I feel like I've got my sort of like foundation with my investments going. Um, those are growing. They're growing a place that I want. I know what I need to hit those numbers. And so now I'm like trying to explore and learn more about crypto and NFTs. Like what are these new sort of like things coming up? Like how can I, we learn about them? Like what are the opportunities there? And so I think for me this year, probably going to put like maybe 50, a hundred dollars um, a month, maybe even less in crypto just to kind of see where it goes. Um, but it's not going to be a bulk of my portfolio. Um, but I know people that are like crypto or that like, you know, that is their, <laughs> my husband, <laughs> that is their investment strategy. And, and if you look at the trend of crypto, crypto, it has, you know, grown. And so it has, it is very volatile, but when it sinks, it doesn't sink to where it was you know, back in 2007. Right. So it really just depends. I think like I, yeah, I, I want to like explore and I want to, I think eventually it'll probably be like 5% of my portfolio. Okay. Um, but I don't, depending on the next couple of years, there's also, right. yeah, there's a lot of things coming up that you're like, man, like it, you want to take it all in and kind of see like what, right. what potentially could be the opportunity here. But I think for, I think for beginner investors, it's like, Hey, set up the foundation. Like this is really good i know it right. feels so boring <laughs> i know no, it feels no, like it yeah sense. yeah yeah. Right. but i think a lot of times people because crypto and nfts and like all these things just feel so new and exciting and you see the drastic return it, it feels like oh if i could just get that i would win and it's like yeah but also like this is super important too. so see that's really good advice because i do think um some people are scared to invest but i i was also told like start learning about it like in the easy aspects it might be little return but it's so much easier to lose a little bit of money than a lot of money because you weren't well versed to begin with sorry i think that that's also good to to kind of uh point out is people are afraid of losing money in the stock market and i think like the more that we get comfortable that you will lose money on paper the more that you can understand like on paper doesn't mean like in real life. And so what I mean by that is like, let's say you invest a thousand dollars and then tomorrow you log into your account and you see that that's 900. You're like, oh my gosh, I just lost quote unquote a hundred dollars. It doesn't actually become a loss until you take it out. And what we've seen is if it's there long enough, you're actually going to see that it's going to grow. It just kind of like roller coasters. So if you look at the trend of the stock market, like you see, you'll see dips, but if you look at it from, you know, 10 years ago, you'll be like, oh, Oh, we're f way farther along or like growth wise than we were 10 years ago but maybe like a month ago yeah we were does that make sense so it's like you're you're trending upwards yes. but you're gonna be in a roller coaster so I think like going into it like knowing like I will quote unquote lose money but that doesn't actually mean that I lost money <laughs> that makes sense. Get discouraged by it. yeah 
I just want to know how can we teach or we obviously are unlearning a lot of things taught to us. And I think our heritage does play a huge role in it. How can we teach the next generation? Like perhaps we're, they're going to be starting from a much different place than what we are starting at. But I still want them to value money and understand what it means compared to like how I had to learn. Um, I know it won't be a, I don't want like, for instance, either my kids or nieces and nephews. I don't want them to learn about money the way I did or have to struggle for it. But I do want them to still value it and understand that it that it can serve you as well. How would you think the next generation will learn about money and how should we teach it? Yeah. So I think that the most impactful um, way to like to impact the next generation is a lot of our beliefs and thoughts about money. Um, we learn from like the ages of like, you know, five to 10. Like it's, it's really when you're like a kid and you watch your the grown-ups around you interact with money and so I think it starts with us like what is the relationship that we want to have with money that we whether we like it or not will pass it down to our kids because those are things that are like just caught and so I think like understanding like that your role in all of this like plays a huge part um and so whether it's like yeah I think a lot of times people think about generational wealth is like I'm gonna leave you know my children their children's children like a lot of money and properties and all these things. And it's like, yeah, that is one way to look at generational wealth. But generational wealth can also be like, I passed down a, a healthier relationship with money. Your beliefs about money are now completely different because I, you know, shifted it here. And so, so I think, yeah, like, I think it starts with that. And I think it, it starts with like, do you feel safe money? And, and if not, like, there's no shame in that. But like, let's explore, like, what are the things that you believe about money that maybe are not serving you? Like, what are ways in which your beliefs or, you know, what you've picked up maybe served you at the time and served your family at the time, but you're kind of at a place where you're like, I can take this, you know, and grow it, expand it. That's such a great way to end our episode. And Andrea, you said so many quotable things today that I'm going to listen back to all of this and just write it down and put it on a little cute graphic to share from time to time. <laughs> um, but as we wrap up this episode, why don't you give us like maybe one or two more tips that you think everyone should know about and how to reach you? What are your services? What are ways that people can keep learning from you? Any books you recommend? Any other sources? Yeah, I recommend um, the book I Will Teach You To Be Rich. Um, it gave me like a really, you know, solid foundation um, on like on investing and budgeting. Um, so that would be that the book, uh, a lot of the content that I, it's a lot of YouTube. Um, so yeah, like YouTube channels. I can't like right now think of the names, but like I could give them to you, maybe them. Um, those are like the, the big starting points of like just starting to understand. And I think the biggest thing is like when you are learning and, and um, watching these videos and consuming these resources, I just want to like, I want you to like give yourself the grace to be confused because investing really is like, it's like a puzzle piece, but you need a lot of different puzzles to make the one piece to then put it together in this bigger piece. And so a lot of times we're like, I, I just Googled what this means and I have no idea what the thing means. And so you, we get so frustrated and, and it, we start to be like, oh, whatever. Like I, I just, I'm not going to like deal with it. And I think like, Hey, if you just like stay there and give yourself grace as you're used, like and, and keep being confused one day, I promise it'll all click. <laughs> and then you'll be like, oh, um, I love that. So, 
So yeah, that would be the like money tip. And then I guess like going forward, just, yeah. Um, just like, just like a, a healthy approach to, to, to your money relationship with money and, um, and yeah, all that it can do. And then honoring your journey as you like navigate this, giving yourself grace. If you mess up and you're like, I just can't figure out like why I can't save as much. Like there's nothing wrong with you. You're just on a journey. So, and then what are some of your services and the best way to let for people to keep up with you? Yeah. So if you feel, if you follow me on, um, at building.gen.wealth on Instagram, um, I share a lot of money tips and content there. I also have a podcast called the building gen wealth podcast. Um, so if you're new to investing and you're like, I want somebody to explain it from scratch. I did a whole series on like the, I don't knows of it of investing, which essentially answered, like, I don't know how it works. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to buy. Like we covered all of those to give you kind of thesis there. Um, and then if you're interested in just like one-on-one support, someone like explaining it to you step-by-step answering all your questions, helping you open accounts, helping like your investment strategies and all of that. I offer a one-on-one money coaching and investing program. So it takes you from like, I'm earning money, but I don't know what to do with it. Help me understand like what I need to do to set myself up and then like help me understand how investing works. So that's also a more high touch program that I do. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much, Andrea, for joining us. And I hope listeners that you gained something from all of this. I would definitely check out your podcast right now so I can learn a little bit more because I feel like I'm years behind in the game. And as she said, remember, honor your journey, not just the paycheck, y'all. 